Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our noted guest for this show is author Don O'Shea, who will be talking to us about the memories of the Great Depression, a time forgotten. Our history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. Brett, why don't you start us off this time? Gladly. Don, a lot of the stories you've uh, shared so far have been uh, positive memories about uh, that people have of the, their experiences during the Depression. The funny thing about the gathering of the stories is virtually all of them uh, were positive. They, they realized the times were tough, but so many of them say the times were tough for us, but we knew times were tough for everybody else. And then a great many of the other ones say, because everybody was in the same boat, we didn't realize times were that tough. Very few of them feel that they were really deprived of anything uh, by the uh, hardships of the Great Depression. They really feel that it made them stronger, it made them better people, and it made them better neighbors. Okay, Terry. Yeah, Don, did anyone talk about memories of food? Like, what kind of suppers they would have, um, recipes during this uh, time, during the Depression? You know, I think in my family, and I wonder if it was handed down from the Depression time period, but on Sundays, uh, Sunday dinner was always popcorn and milk. So it was a bowl of popcorn, and you poured milk in it. And that was our Sunday uh, dinner, because Sunday lunch was fairly big. So I wondered, you know, if that was something that just came down from my mother's grandmother, etc. They did talk about food. Uh, I think the Sunday afternoon uh, dinner, the main dinner normally after church, was normally a big deal. And it was often chicken. So I, I don't know how many of the stories are, are told about how they had chicken and how much they enjoyed it and how Grandma would go to the butcher shop and get a chicken and the butcher would split the chicken and share it with Mom and so on and so forth. There were a number of those. Uh, one of the stories tells the story of how for nearly six months the little boy and his family lived on cornmeal mush. Uh, three times a day. Another tells a story of how the two brothers were sitting with their mother for dinner, and they were eating bowls of farina, which was you know some kind of cream of wheat. I ate it a little bit when I was a boy. And they mm-hmm. said, Mom, you're not eating. And she said, I'm not hungry. And the storyteller relates that he knew his mother wasn't telling the truth. So there were times when people were really short of food. And, of course, the people who travel the roads and the railroads, the hobos, were always looking for a meal. The times were tough. But a lot of people in those days were farmers. And whatever else they didn't have, they at least had some food. And that kept them going through the Depression. The other thing, there were a great many gardens growing during the Depression. I would say in half the stories that I was told, the family had a garden 
of some sort. Some were big gardens and some were smaller gardens. Uh, the fellow who related the story about the cornmeal mush talked about how his mother found a bean, and it was a foot log. So uh, they, they did talk about food. Okay. Um, and along that line, uh, I had heard years ago a woman who was in the Depression saying that, you know, we pretty much lived on rice, beans, and cornbread, and we didn't think anything of it, and we never considered ourselves poor because we were, because we looked around and everyone was eating the same thing. So, yep. I mean, did, did, they, sorry, go on. Yeah, they talk about how their mother would make the meat go further by, you know, having it at rice with it. And they talk about eating leftovers. I don't know how many of the the, the uh, families talk about eating leftovers. And one of them says, but my mother was really a very good cook, but I didn't like the leftovers very much. But we ate them. Oh, yeah. Brett, you got a question? Uh, can you expand a little bit uh, on what you were saying about uh, people gardening? So were these gardens that people had had beforehand and they just proved to be uh, useful or were people um, planting new gardens where were people suddenly uh, having to learn how to uh, garden and what would grow best on their little plot? I think both. Clearly some of the people, especially the farm folks, had gardens as well as uh, cows and uh, uh, pigs. And they, you know, they would get their food from the garden. They'd, they'd raise things like strawberries, beans, uh, sweet corn, and all sorts of other stuff. I, it, it's almost too numerous to mention. But they would store the stuff in an age when there were no refrigerators and cellars. And they could put the uh, foods down in the cellar where it was normally 55 degrees or so, and the, the food would keep. One of the stories tells the story of a young boy whose mother died, and he went to the Annie Whitmire home over in Davenport and lived there in what was then called the Old Soldiers and Sailors Home for Orphans, and how they worked in the fields and how they had root cellars where they brought in the food and they would store the food in the root cellars. And then there were other kids who would be out there and planting the gardens, not only the food gardens, but flower gardens to make the uh, facility look nice. Uh, my relatives are from, they're Belgium, and my grandfather was born and kind of grew up a little while in Moline. And if you've ever been to Moline, the, the Belgians over there are garden fanatics. But during the Depression, <laughs> it was always plants. Before the Depression, it was plants and flowers because it was going to make your place look that much better. And I heard people say during the Depression, the flowers turned to more vegetables because that's what you were going to get on with, um, that's what you was going to get you through the winter. Did you come across things like that? I didn't come across that particular story. I did come across stories of how when food was needed, and especially green vegetables were needed, the mother would take the kids and they'd walk along the railroad tracks and they'd cut the dandelions oh, yeah. and eat the greens as endive in lieu of, uh, in lieu of uh, lettuce. And that's how they survived. They, one woman says, we ate an awful lot of greens. Uh, she was one of my bailiffs, Epistophitis. I heard that they, um, this was one that I heard, and, and I don't know if the others heard it, that 
muskrats were eaten. Uh, that the, the uh, trapping of the muskrat was no longer just for the hide; that the meat came along with it. Well, I didn't hear that, but I, I did hear a good number of stories about how they would go down and fish on the Mississippi River. One of the young women, when she was young, told me that her grandfather, when she was just a little girl, would take her down onto one of the wing dams in the Mississippi, and he'd pull in his trot lines, which he had put out there to, to hook fish. And they would bring the fish in, and he'd use some of it to feed the family, and he'd peddle the rest of it through the west end of Moline. Wow. Um, it's customary that we give our noted guests the last word on the show. So, Don... Why do you think knowing about the Great Depression is relevant in today's world? I think the sense of community is particularly important as it existed during the Great Depression. People helped one another. They didn't look to the government to bail them out. Uh, Most people during the Depression were embarrassed to seek government aid. But there was nothing wrong with helping your neighbor or getting help from your neighbor when you were truly needy. This is something that is a thread that passes through a great many of the stories. The the church communities were very important in those days. They, They were the center where families could come together. Many women were on farms, and they saw no one except their own family through the week. It was at the churches that the community really existed. And when a barn needed to be built, when a barn got burned down and needed to be restored, it was the people that got together through the churches to a large extent that did it. Uh, The other thing that I think is very important is the people who lived through the Great Depression, almost to a man, came to formulate a rule for themselves that they wouldn't buy on time. They wouldn't pay finance charges. My father and mother were adamant about that. They taught me that. They did not want to be in debt, and they taught their kids not to be in debt, except for maybe when you bought a house. Everybody understood that they couldn't afford to buy the whole house out of their their savings account. But the idea that we can spend whatever we want, and it'll all work out, was uh, an idea that they were disabused of when the crash came, when the stock market fell, when people who had bought on 10% margin were suddenly required to pay the 90% balance and in no hope of doing it. So the, I, the ideas, I think, that emerged from the Great Depression are there was a great sense of community, and people learned to live within their means and to make do with what they had and to repurpose it. If it got old, turn it into something else. Use up everything you had. And I think those are pretty darn good lessons for any society. We would like to thank our noted guest for the 440th show, author Don O'Shea, who talked to us about memories of the Great Depression, a time forgotten. The history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Brett Menard. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. 
Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Podcast, and Google Podcast. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.